In the harshly lit breakfast bar of a Fairfield Inn in Lynchburg, Virginia, a dozen men and women sit hunched over steaming cups of coffee and microwaved eggs. This hotel lobby looks like any other, but the guests are a distinctive group. Legislators and local government officials representing 25 states. An Arizona House member, a North Carolina senator, a justice of the peace from Arkansas, state treasurers from Oklahoma and Ohio. They've gathered here with one lofty but like-minded objective, to change the social fabric of the country and return America to what they say are its Judeo-Christian origins. Dozens of them are in Southern Virginia to craft policies to take back home and work to enact. Measures to ban abortion, restrict gender-affirming care, and condemn gay marriage. But their ultimate ambitions are far greater. What do you think is the best thing that could come from the work you're doing? Spreading the gospel. Spreading the gospel? Spreading the gospel all over the country. Through, through, think, through the law? I think the best work as a legislator mm. that, that I can do is to help bring that moral compass back to where it needs to be. The goal is to embed conservative Christian ideals into American law, something many across America staunchly oppose. We've always fought against that myth that we're some kind of Christian nation legally, and we've always explained why, and we wouldn't want that. Because as soon as you say that we could be a Christian nation, well, what kind of Christian nation is that? From Carnegie Night News 21, I'm Henry Larson. And I'm Francesca D'Annunzio. This is America After Roe, a series exploring the forces that led to last year's reversal of Roe v. Wade and the ongoing battle to reshape America in ways that go far beyond abortion. Part two, Gospel Through Law. Lynchburg sits in the shadow of the Blue Ridge Mountains, a city of some 80,000 people a two-hour drive from Richmond. During the Civil War, it was a key rail and supply hub for the Confederate Army. Eventually, the South would surrender to the North just down the road from here, at the Appomattox Courthouse Village. The city is also known for something else. Since 1971, it's been home to Evangelical Liberty University, founded by the late fundamentalist preacher Jerry Falwell to train, in the school's words, champions for Christ. Falwell established the Moral Majority Political Organization and is one of the fathers of the religious right. From the auditorium of the Thomas Road Baptist Church in Lynchburg, Virginia, the faith partners and friends present Jerry Falwell and the Old Time Gospel Hour, celebrating 25 years of Christian ministry. For lawmakers intent on ushering their interpretation of the gospel into law, Lynchburg is a symbolic place. I believe, as I have said, that the answer for America is an acknowledgement of the preeminence of Christ, the lordship of Jesus Christ by our nation, our leaders. Our journey here began many months ago when we started researching a little-known organization called the National Association of Christian Lawmakers. 
I believe that we can be successful if we'll turn back to the original ingredients, the original foundation that our founding fathers gave us to make our country great. And this is what we're striving to do at the National Association of Christian Lawmakers. We need revival in this nation. Launched in 2019 by then-Arkansas State Senator Jason Rapert, the group writes and distributes model legislation to lawmakers across the U.S. They promote traditional conservative family values and religious liberty. We've reached a point in our country where we're at a serious crossroads about the future of the nation. And we are not immune. We actually are, are just as susceptible to defeat as the Roman Empire or any other empire in the history of the world. That's Reaper on the radio and television show he hosts, Save the Nation. We gotta pray like we've never prayed before. He's a charismatic figure who speaks with conviction. Rapert's also a pastor and runs Holy Ghost Ministries in Conway, Arkansas. His organization's acronym, NACL, is an intentional reference to the elemental shorthand for salt. Members of the organization say it harkens back to the biblical notion that Christians should be the salt and light of the world, to preserve it. Rapert has made national headlines in past years for his support of a Ten Commandments monument at the Arkansas State House his relentless opposition to gay marriage and gender-affirming medical care, and for blocking some of his atheist constituents on his official Twitter account. But his biggest talking point centers on Christianity's role in government. This absolutely is part of the history and heritage of this country. What the founders did is they did not want to force anybody to go to a specific church. And the only restriction that they put on it is they said Congress shall not establish a religion. You know why? Because the states were doing that. And they did not say the states could not do that. This is part of who we are. But it's been twisted. It's been turned. In past years, members of Rapert's group helped drive a number of socially conservative bills, like one in Texas to add ratings to school books, the Florida Don't Say Gay Bill, prohibitions on critical race theory in schools, and several measures on abortion. In 2021, NACL member Brian Hughes, a Republican state senator in Texas, introduced a revolutionary abortion ban, allowing private citizens to sue providers and those assisting people seeking abortions, which circumvented the then-standing federal protections under Roe. The National Association of Christian Lawmakers adopted language from that bill, SB 8, as model legislation. Of 12 copycat bills introduced in state houses around the country and reviewed by News 21, seven were sponsored or co-sponsored by lawmakers who are currently group members. For whatever reason, I think that the National Association of Christian Lawmakers focuses more on the social conservative issues than any of these other organizations. And so I was happy to join it. South Carolina State Representative John McCravey is chair of the state's delegation of the NACL. He helped author South Carolina's six-week abortion ban, which the governor signed into law in May. He spoke with us by phone. As a general rule, we want to get back to Judeo-Christian values that this country was founded on. For McCravey, those values revolve around several specific cultural issues. Abortion is one. Protecting life and the one is a priority. Gay marriage, another. Certainly there are attacks on the family. 
know, uh, there are a lot of people who want to define the family as anything you want it to be. But at the core of all those ideas is the belief that Christianity should be at the center of how the country is governed. There's nothing wrong with being a Christian in office. There's nothing wrong with taking values that are good and applying them to government. That was what all our laws are founded on anyway. According to survey data from the Pew Research Center, a majority of Americans believe the government should enforce the separation of church and state. A number of advocacy groups also oppose the stance of religious conservatives who try to fuse faith and government. We are a country that is not in any way legally a Christian nation. We are a country that is a religious freedom nation. Of course, Christians have had great impact on the law and history of America. But we've never been a Christian nation officially, legally. And in fact, it's really hard to make that case if you look at our founding documents. That's Holly Holman, General Counsel for the Baptist Joint Committee for Religious Liberty, a faith-based group that works to maintain the separation between church and state by filing briefs in court cases, advocating for and against legislation, and testifying in Congress. You heard her voice at the start of the story as well. Fighting against government imposition of religion, government definition of religion, long story that you can see traces of in the history of Christianity and denominations, but also in the history of our country. Holman says that making laws shaped by a legislator's view of Christian values can be harmful because it erodes the separation of church and state. That phrase was popularized by Thomas Jefferson in a letter to the Danbury Baptist Association in 1802. The Baptists were worried the founders of the state would make Calvinism the official religion of Connecticut, and the Baptists wrote to Jefferson complaining that their religious freedoms were treated as privileges, not rights. Jefferson was sympathetic and replied that the Establishment Clause of the Constitution created a wall of separation between church and state. He added, the legitimate powers of government reach actions only and not opinions. But for McCravey, the separation of church and state doesn't prohibit established religious beliefs from shaping state law. In the Constitution, it doesn't say there's a separation of church and state. There's nothing in the U.S. Constitution that says that. You can look it up. A lot of people think there is, but there's not. However, it does say that we are not to establish a state religion. And the Christian values that we were founded on are very important, and they help our government. So it depends on what you mean by separation. You know, I don't think there's anything wrong with a legislator who is a Christian applying those values when he goes and serves or she goes and serves. Holman disagrees. Let me be clear about one thing. The separation of church and state, which is a shorthand, in my view, for how America does religious liberty and that we have this special constitutional protection for religious freedom that includes limiting government in matters of religion, that separation is not hostile to religion. And I don't believe it's hostile in any way to Christianity. And the idea that you would claim that what you need is government advancement of religion to help your faith is just unfounded. Yet powerful legal advocacy groups like the Alliance Defending Freedom Liberty Council, and First Liberty Institute 
have worked for decades and spent millions to advance their view of Christian values in the courts and legislatures. All three have either funded the NACL or sent speakers to appear at its conferences. The idea that the U.S. should be declared a Christian nation and live under a certain interpretation of Christian law has an academic name, Christian nationalism. Christian right or Christian nationalism, as you probably know, is not a religious movement. It's a political movement. It's all about power. It's all about the belief that you have a corner on the truth and you're certain about that truth. John Fia is a professor of history at Messiah College, a private Christian college in Mechanicsburg, Pennsylvania. He studies Christian nationalism, the religious right, and how the two intersect. So when they want to advance laws about abortion or marriage, you know, this or that right to defend Christian view of the world, I don't necessarily think they're wanting to, like, you know, say we want to go back to the 19th century as much as they're saying these things are good for America. They should be privileged over any other view of marriage or sexuality. And because they're so good, we're going to try to pass legislation to bring them back into uh, culture. The phrase Christian nationalist is one NACL president Jason Raper has used before. If one of some say, are you talking about a theocracy? You one of those Christian nationalists? Let me tell you something. Those founding fathers, they love God and they love this country. And if you're going to call me a Christian nationalist, so be it, baby. I'll wear that. Because we need people that are willing to say, we don't care what you say, but we're going to stand up for what is right. We're going to be those people that will not bow down. The work of Rapert's group is representative of the conservative Christian political strategy that helped lead to Roe's reversal. And it also epitomizes ongoing and future efforts to change the legal and legislative landscape on other social issues. So we had to be there this summer for the organization's annual national policy conference. Over to our right now, as we're coming off of the exit, I can see the Freedom Tower, which is the highest point of the Liberty University campus. And we'll be attending, with any luck, a conference that is right across the street from that Freedom Tower, the National Association of Christian Lawmakers Annual Policy Conference. On the first day of the conference, Jason Rapert finds us in the hotel breakfast bar. So you are pursuing our attendees here. That's great. (laughs) We sit down with him in a conference room. There's no question in my mind, and there's no question in an objective mind when you look at history. This truly was a Judeo-Christian nation, very intently. How many pieces of legislation have been introduced by state chairs that has originated from the NACL in some capacity? That's That's a great question that we don't have the full answer for. As a new organization with only our fifth meeting, we are building out our staff. And so ultimately, it will be wonderful when we can actually track with confidence every single person that says that, hey, we use the model as a starting point uh, to be able to pass legislation. But at this point, we're simply at a point where we're growing our staff and we need more capacity. Raper calls the NACL a startup, but it's a flourishing one. As a nonprofit, the organization has to send yearly filings to the IRS. A review of these documents shows the group's revenue more than tripled between 2020 and 2021, 
from $115,000 to $375,000. The organization didn't list all its contributors in government filings, but Raybert has said it received support from conservative legal and lobbying powerhouses, like the Alliance Defending Freedom, First Liberty Institute, and the American Family Association. We'll hear from some of those organizations and other prominent Christian conservative speakers over the course of the conference. While media aren't allowed to attend the event itself, a portion is live-streamed on Facebook. But beginning tomorrow, you're going to be engaging not only in policy discussion, my friends, you're going to be engaging in spiritual battle. Kristen Hawkins delivers the keynote speech. She's president of Students for Life, one of the largest anti-abortion groups in the country, and an organization that, in many ways, represents the future of religious conservative advocacy. I know better than most that even some of the most well-informed young people that I engage with on college campus, they don't know who's serving them at the state house or at the local level. And that's a huge mistake. Huge. Usually for our benefit, though, to be honest. Uh, no, no, it's huge. Because the fact is, Our country and its future is shaped by you all, not Washington, D.C. It's you who toil away at the state capitals and the legislature chambers across the country. You all are the ones serving on the front lines in some of the most important policy battles of our time. Later that evening, as attendees turn in, two Arizona lawmakers meet us in the hotel lobby and explain why they joined the NACL. State Senator Frank Carroll and House member David Livingston represent Sun City and other communities just outside of Phoenix. Here's Carroll. My purpose in coming was to be with like minds to talk policy. And that's an opportunity that I always take those, even if it's in other areas. But in this particular case, because I'm a Christian and because of my worldview about that and the fact that I consider this country a Christian nation in spite of claims otherwise by certain political people. I have every reason to be here. Livingston is chair of the NACL's Arizona delegation and a founding member of the group. As a Christian, I don't penalize people who don't have faith. I see it as an opportunity to reach out and explain to them what they're missing and see if they're open-minded to hear. Conversations with other NACL members reveal similar themes, whether with Senator Dennis Baxley of Florida who sponsored a version of the state's so-called Don't Say Gay Bill. My primary role in public life is to be an encourager. And that's what I'm doing here. I'm encouraging these people that are pursuing public life and other positions that it's not about the positions, it's about can we shape the framework that we live better together. Or Representative McCravey speaking in person this time. I think it's continued to be encouraging from the start, I think it's just beginning. I think it has a lot of potential to move forward. We've grown from just a few states being represented to I think 38 now. Outside of the conference, lawmakers emphasize the importance of a space for like-minded Christian conservatives to come together, but they avoid talking about the organization's successes. Inside, seen via live stream, Rapert celebrates the scale of his group's accomplishments, accompanied by soulful piano music. I just want to say I'm very proud of you because if you continue in the next couple of hours with what you're doing, you're continuing to break barriers. Lawmakers hear from others too. People like Jamison Taylor, a lobbyist for the American Family Association, a fundamentalist and vehemently anti-gay lobbying firm. 
We can help you by providing model legislation in select areas. I mentioned a few of them today. We can amplify your message. We can expand your reach with radio appearances, PSAs, action alerts, boycotts, petitions, prayer campaigns, all kinds of things. One of the best things about having AFA action on your team is that we don't need credit for passing your bill. And Matt Staver, founder of Liberty Council, which litigates anti-abortion, anti-LGBTQ, and anti-church-state separation cases across the country. So let me just begin with what happened last year, because this is an encouragement, and I want you to understand the magnitude of shift that's happened. And a huge sea change has just occurred, and we need to take advantage of it, and we need to get encouragement from it as well. In his speech, Staver lauded two Supreme Court cases particularly appealing to religious conservatives, Dobbs v. Jackson and Kennedy v. Bremerton, a case concerning a high school coach's public prayers at football games, where the court rolled back government restrictions on public religious displays. Staver told lawmakers that the Dobbs and Kennedy decisions have created an opportunity for religious conservatives to push towards incorporating more Christian views into law, encouraging them to take advantage of these new opportunities in state legislatures. Stay the course. Never, ever, ever get discouraged because God has birthed you for this moment in history. And as legislators, you have an incredible opportunity with regards to life and religious freedom to advance that in your respective states and in Congress. The NACL approved at least eight new model bills or resolutions at the 2023 conference, including a fetal personhood measure dubbed the Unborn Child Protection Act, a resolution promoting the sanctity of traditional marriage, and a model bill that would prohibit requiring educators to call students by their preferred pronouns. Details on the measures have not been made public. News 21 requested copies of the bills from Rapert, but he did not respond. Weeks after the conference, North Carolina State Senator and NACL member Ted Alexander would tell me about the importance of this gathering. We looked at several other different kinds of you know, legislation that will give us things that we can take back to our own states and say, hey, what about this? Though Raper and his members hesitate to discuss how frequently their model bills make it into law, their growing influence is apparent. A combination of well-connected benefactors and a vast coalition of allies all feed into Rapert's most ambitious vision, helping to elect or enlist like-minded Christian conservatives at all levels of government. We have reached a level of debauchery and immorality that is at biblical proportions. We believe that America would be better served by Christians serving in public office at every level in the United States. The Dobbs decision ended federal protections for abortion after a 50-year battle, a battle that helped give rise to the political powerhouse that is the religious right and spawned one of the most powerful voting blocs in American history. Today, the National Association of Christian Lawmakers and many others are gearing up for more fights to come. Over abortion and LGBTQ rights, yes, but also for something far greater. Next time, we'll take a closer look at Christian nationalism, the ideology driving the national battle surrounding church-state division. America After Row is a production of the Carnegie Knight News 21 program at the Walter Cronkite School of Journalism and Mass Communication. This episode was written and produced by me, Henry Larson, and Francesca D'Annunzio. 
Our editor is Regina Revizova, and the executive editor of News 21 is Pauline Ariaga. Music is by Blue Dot Sessions and APM. Find more stories about America's reckoning with abortion at americaafterrow.news21.com. <laughs>